So, Adam, I uh, couldn't help but notice you're drinking a monster there, buddy. Leave me alone. <laughs> what? Uh... Had a hard time getting up this morning. All right. <laughs> I was just curious. We had uh, we had discussed that you had given those up. So I was. Uh... I did briefly. I did. <laughs> I quit for a minute. I um, I had to do the same thing years ago. I was drinking a lot of energy drinks from. I worked nights and just kind of a weird schedule, got off that schedule, but my caffeine habit didn't change and uh, started having nasty heart palpitations. And uh, I'd, I'd go to stand up and it felt like somebody literally hit me in the chest with like a rubber <clears throat> sledgehammer. And I went to a doctor and you know, they couldn't find anything wrong, said I had a little bit of a heart murmur, but other than that, you know, I was fine. And the guy says, we got to talking about my schedule and he says, how much caffeine do you drink, Mr. Adams? Five, you know, not not that much. <laughs> Comparative to a fucking meth addict, not that much. And we started, he's like, okay, well, run me through a typical caffeine day. And he, he pulls out his phone and he's like adding up the milligrams, you know. And he's like, yeah, you're at 1.3 grams of caffeine a day. You are in a, uh, you're in a, a very strange percentile. And if you don't fix that, you're going to die. And I was like, all right. And having your heart skip a beat. Because he said basically what he thought was happening after we talked about that was that the the caffeine screws with your brain's ability to talk to the heart and it would it would fill, but then it wouldn't squeeze the blood out. So it would fill and then it would fill again and then panic and go, oh, shit, I have too much blood in here. We better push real fucking hard to get this blood out. And I was like, that doesn't sound... It doesn't sound like that's how that's supposed to work, Doc. <laughs> so he's like, no, it's not. So I, I cut way back. And the fucking, for me, I get the caffeine headaches. I don't know about you guys, but when I, if I don't drink caffeine, I go through horrible headache, withdrawal headaches. So now I do drink my two Red Bulls a day. I do the sugar-free eight ounce Red Bulls. And I am, well, today's number three. But um, <laughs> I don't drink a lot of them. It's 11 a.m. and this is my third one, but I don't right. drink a lot. Comparatively, I was drinking those monsters like you're drinking the big cans. And do you know, have you ever had one of the big, uh, it's got like the screw off top? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what I usually get. That's, like, yeah. We did like, I do like two of those a day. Easy. Easy. Yeah. So the idea of drinking that much caffeine now kind of grosses me out. But, um, and yeah, full sugar. You know, yeah. It's, they also have the BFC, the, the big, is big the, fucking can. Yeah, it's uh, that's actually what it says on the can, BFC, <laughs> and it's like this. It's like the big, like the most ridiculous can you could think of, mm. like a big double deuce. And they say, "Yeah, yeah, it's for you to drink all day." No, no, I'm gonna slam this. I'm gonna chug this, <laughs> and then I'm gonna move on with my fucking day. Caffeine's a funny one, man. It's um, uh, probably the most widely used, you know, substance on the face of the fucking planet. Um, remember, years ago there was a big push to like ban energy drinks and all that. And there was a kid. He was out of Canton or Akron, Ohio, near where I'm from, and somehow he had gotten a hold of caffeine, like raw caffeine powder. Yeah. And just blew his fucking heart apart with it. Um, you almost can't even imbibe a small enough amount of raw caffeine powder and it be safe. 
like I forget what the it's like micrograms or something like that. You just have to look at it and be like, oh, that's enough. Um, and and so of course that turned into you know caffeine's dangerous. And I'm like, oh yeah, it is. So is alcohol. So is smoking. So is a lot of fucking things. But yeah, you know, so is water. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, right. I, I, exactly. if I go lay in the bathtub and uh, arrange it to where I can't poke my head out of the water, <laughs> it's fatal. So what are you doing, Doug? I'm proving a point, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're drowning, Doug. I'm proving a point. Motherfucker. But I'm going to die right. But I'm going to die and, yeah, and I'm going to be right. Um. Speaking of being right and proving points, um, AT&T in Nashville had a little bit of a uh, an issue uh, with apparently somebody wanting to be right about something. Uh, there was the guy, I can't think of his name, don't really care, uh, blew up a fucking RV. Let's just call him Fuckface McGillicuddy. I like that. I like that. I, I am I am in the camp of not making these assholes famous by saying their name. Yeah. So... I, I like the idea of fuckface McGillicuddy. So fuckface McGillicuddy, I actually, here's the interesting part. I don't really know why he did it. I don't know what the fucking point was because the media was like, <gasps> and in other news, I, it just fucking disappeared, dude. And the three of us have talked about it. And I think this is a general consensus. I don't feel like we're, you know, three wise men here that, that came up with this idea, but <laughs> if this dude had been fucking brown or had a name like, you know, Ahmed Ali, uh, you know, whatever, this would, they'd still be talking about this. They'd be talking about his fucking grade school friends and just everything. Well, then he would have been a terrorist. Right. Yeah. He would have been automatically labeled a terrorist. And that's, uh, there's, you would not, it's like I saw this morning where there was a bunch of Muslim groups that were up in arms because they're not calling this guy a terrorist. Um, they've talked to his friends, family, to try to figure out some sort of ideological motivation why he was doing this. They're looking at fucking 5G conspiracies. They're looking at the whole nine. Uh, turns out that the guy's girlfriend last year told him, uh, told the police, hey, he's getting kind of crazy and he's talking about building a bomb in his RV and it got dismissed out of hand. Now, I'm 46 years old at this point. This is the most clear-cut example of white privilege that I've ever seen in my life. Now, when I was younger, I used to hear the phrase, white privilege thrown around and due to my limited life experience at the time, I didn't really know what the hell they were talking about. You know, in my mind, privilege was the shit that you had seen in the movies where like some dude walks through the door, everybody's automatically kissing his ass. Here's your champagne, you know, blah, 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 blah. Cause you had, you know, Mr. Super important walk through there. You know, almost like you could go up to a car dealership and say, yeah, I'll take the red one. And they, what's your financing? And you would just like point to your skin and they would go, oh, yeah, you're good. You know, because I had never seen that before. But it so it took me a while to learn that, you know, 
kind of white privilege was me not getting hassled where as other groups would. So, it, well, and the term has been watered down, like like the word racist. People right. throw the word racist around. Oh, he's a racist. No, he's a prejudiced fuckhead. But racism is about thinking that your race is superior or another race is inferior. And right. that's that's not typically what I see. What I see is a lot of prejudice. And white privilege is another term that gets thrown around a lot. Um, and I don't think that it applies. White privilege does exist. It is a fact. And, and I, I would have to completely agree with you that this is a perfect example of white privilege and probably not one that most people are calling out as white privilege. But the fact that he is white is why nobody is immediately labeling him a fucking terrorist. Um, what was a Timothy McVeigh? Um, I'd have to look up to see if they considered what he did an act of terrorism. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it typically, again, well, they, I, I go they were going after that one at a different angle from it to begin with. Cause uh, Timothy McVeigh, wasn't he the one that blew up the federal building in Oklahoma? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, literally in that case, because of the target, they were going that way out of the gate. Fair enough. And again, so you, you start to confirmation bias, cognitive bias, um, a, a, pr a prejudice that because it was against a federal building, somehow it was still a terrorist attack, even though he was white. But you go after a telecom company or any company for that matter. Again, I, I just can't. I find it hard to believe that if this dude was brown, that we wouldn't be throwing the T word around like fucking crazy, you know. But again, it's it's a matter of marketing, and um, we we don't have domestic terrorism in the United States, right? Because that would put us on par and on level with other countries that do. But the fact is, folks, we do, and this is a clear cut fucking example of it. Yeah, not um, saying that we do doesn't mean suddenly we don't. It's like if right. we just don't say it, it'll go away. But then you see, you look at uh, especially like the conservative group, the alt, the alt right. Um, they do believe that they do somehow live in this bubble where oh, we don't have domestic terrorism. That's for other countries to deal with. Other countries that aren't you know white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Christian, even though you can whatever. go back through history and find examples of it all over the place, <laughs> over I and think, over and over, yeah. like the you know the 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 uh, the oh, bombing at the Olympics at, in 1996 at Atlanta, mm -hmm. you know that was clearly designed to be a terrorist attack. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter who it, it, the 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 person who pulls the trigger or presses the button does not determine really whether it's a terrorist attack they do because it, it it's about what what they were trying to achieve so i guess that's my point is that it's not a matter of their skin color where they're from what was the point what were they trying to do if they were trying to bring attention to something through violence or create a an uncomfortable situation it's terrorism Right. Um, or radicalism, I guess it could, could be another term. But Well, with fuckface McGillicuddy, whatever he was trying to accomplish, 
he didn't do it really well because no. they're still trying to figure out what the fuck was going on with this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's what like, was your message? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. it, and it's mm-hmm. weird. The, the song that he was playing before it blew up, uh, you know, that old song from the sixties, uh, chick sings it downtown. That's what his speakers were blaring before it went off, you know? And it's like, this is the most confused, you know, if this was supposed to be some sort of political statement, uh, old fuckface McGillicuddy uh, is the epic fail of the terrorist world. That's no all I'm saying. shit. I mean. He's to be on uh, America's Funniest Home Videos from how bad he <laughs> failed. <laughs> Fail blog. Yeah, I mean, and I guess that's, maybe that's part of the argument is at this point, you could say, well, we don't really know what, he was trying to do well again he took a vehicle we parked it in front of a fucking building in a in a metro area and and pressed the button um he was trying to make a point maybe we don't know what it is yet but to me i feel like he he was trying to to make a point so it'll be i'd say it would be interesting to see what happens but as people have pointed out there's like almost no news coverage of this well they won't you know they won't label him a terrorist because white people want to be uh, able to fly without getting harassed in the security line. Yeah, fair enough. They I've, don't want to uh, be. Pr- they're fine with profiling other people, but white people just want to be ridiculously comfortable. So they're never going to say a white guy was a terrorist. I would. I would probably have to agree with that. Um, I have flown with a um, a guy from Pakistan. Well, his family's from Pakistan. He was born here, as far as I know, and. Uh, we were going through airport security. Actually, Doug was there. And uh, we we're going through airport security, and he got randomly selected. <laughs> totally, totally, definitely random. And, of course, me and, and Doug and the other guy that were there were three white guys. I'm from the Midwest. Both the other white guys are from the fucking South with thick Southern draws. And we're just having a blast. Hey, look, you got randomly selected. And he's like, guys, stop. <laughs> you know, because we think it's fucking hilarious because we're assholes. And he's thinking, I'm going to get fucking anally searched here if you guys keep it up. But, you know, kind of the the point, the, the, the three white guys that were there, our point was kind of to bring some attention to it. You know, this guy... He he's clearly Middle Eastern of Middle Eastern descent, right? You can you can see it on him, and that was the whole fucking point. This kid's as American as anybody else, um, and yeah, to I have think he him was born in New Jersey or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and he is a Muslim, and you know, uh, but he doesn't have a sign on him or a tattoo that says Muslim. But again, he's he's obviously from a middle Eastern family and uh, of origin. And for us, it was just, like I said, we were being assholes. Yeah. You got randomly selected. Look how random this was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the, the, from the outside, it was, it was, you know, he might as well have had a tattoo across his forehead that had die whitey on the front of it or something. Yeah. It was kind of ridiculous. Um, And I, you know, TSA, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I understand the point of it. Um, like most government, um, most government programs, it's okay. Very Adam, expensive and very poorly 
TSA's never once caught a terrorist ever. So I don't see the point. Yeah, well, at at the same time, you could, Adam, you could take your argument and you could make it about anything that's preventative, whether it's masks, condoms, you know, what have you. You could prove the efficacy of condoms. They've never caught a terrorist at the TSA line ever. Literally ever. Well, because the TSA frightens them so much they don't even fucking try. They're like, we had this bomb that we were going to put in a 10-ounce tube of toothpaste, but they limit me (laughs) to 3.8 ounces. Gosh darn it, I guess we're not blowing it up today. Well, the point of that is is that there are very few explosive uh, (laughs) compounds out there that at that small of an amount could create the kind of damage that you need to bring down a plane. I mean, I I do understand the... I understand it. I think that you know, I even got, I went through one time and forgot to take my wallet out of my pocket. And, uh, I got out of the little x-ray machine and I've got like eight guys on top of me and I was like, Oh <laughs> shit, I'm sorry. And I reached back to take my wallet out and I swear to God, one of them was going for his gun. Well, that's because like, they're all 12 and it's the first position of authority they've ever had in their that's life. That's the problem that I have with it is it just like with police, there's a very low bar for becoming a TSA agent. And I feel like that's another one where, I'd personally like to see maybe an associates in criminology or an associates in forensics or, or maybe some overseas experience. Like I look yeah. around at TSA and I'm like, I could probably take all these guys. You know? <laughs> I'm a fat kid. But yeah. Let, let, yeah. Let's back that train up. You know, you, you say associates, you can say associates back, uh, bachelor's doctorate. I have met several people who are highly educated who are some of the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever met in my life because yeah, they're really the smart in one thing. Yeah, but that's the exception to the rule. I mean, I, I'm not a huge, I don't have a degree. Um, I don't even have a high school diploma. Um, so I don't necessarily believe that um, degrees make you smarter or more qualified. But I do think that the majority of people who get an education do tend to be a little more reasonable. They tend to be a little more intellectual um, because you you go to this institution, you take the time and the energy to learn something. Um, I do think they have value, right? Um, maybe I shouldn't say degree, maybe some sort of better certification program because I'm like with Adam, you see these guys rolling through their, they're either like 19 years old and you can tell that they've used the word actually um, unironically, uh, at some point, or it's some old fat guy who just, you can tell hates anybody who has skin darker than him. Um, I just, I feel like again, positions of authority like that should go to people who can handle it. Uh, I, I like Adam's comment. I I'm police TSA, anything where there's that kind of stress involved should, there should be an attempt to get more ex-military that have been in combat. Because again, if you've got a guy that was at an airport in fucking Baghdad uh, doing that kind of work, I feel like being in Atlanta would be a, a piece of cake for this guy. Like, hey, calm down. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? I mean, the way that I feel about the whole thing would be um, I, I, I'm more into what society has lost is the ability to think critically. I, I I don't think I'm not sure any, they ever had it, <laughs> but yeah. I feel I, I feel where you're saying. Yeah, I mean it's uh, uh, George Carlin was famous 
for saying the reason that they don't teach critical thinking in schools is because the last thing any government wants is an educated population that has the ability to think critically and separate facts from feelings and uh, the whole nine, because it's like, that's what has gotten us to the mess that we're in now. Oh, absolutely. Um, we started to, you know, it's, it's something that's been going on for quite a while, but as far as really bubbling up to mainstream and being part of the popular culture, uh, I think uh, cancel culture was probably in most recent memory out of the gate first. And then after cancel culture got its legs, now we're in the, uh, in, in, we're in the denying all facts era of Trump where he's uh, basically saying there's election fraud with no examples and there's large swaths of the population that are swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. Oh, they're swallowing it all right. Oh, yeah. I saw something on Reddit that I found kind of amusing that ties into both of these subjects. The guy says, you know, within uh, 48 hours, they knew who this guy was, that the AT&T building they had, you know, found his home. They started interviewing people. But in the last however many weeks, they have found that that same group, the FBI, have found no um, examples of voter fraud. They found no uh, examples of, of any of that. Um, and yet people still don't want to listen. You know, well, you, that, that group doesn't want to listen. Um, there's, uh, they're talking about, you know, I sent you guys that article about the, the vaccines. Everybody's, oh, it's 2021. Great. Wonderful. Um, it's all over now. Yeah. Guys, 2021 is going to blow goats just like 2020 did. Um, no, listen, listen, listen. So we drew this invisible line in the sand between mm -hmm. December and January. Mm -hmm. And when we pass that line, things change. I wish that you could see his cheeks when he's about to pull some bullshit like this. Cause I don't understand how he doesn't pull a face muscle. Um, cause he starts grinning. D Adam is the worst liar on the planet. He's, he's the worst at setting up any kind of bullshit. Cause all you gotta do is look at him and you know, it's coming, but you still wait for it. Cause it's usually fucking funny. Um, yeah, I, I, I you know, 2021 is going to be full of masks and lockdowns. Um, we've, the, the, we're so far behind in vaccine um, distribution. Pfizer is sitting there going, guys, where do we send this shit? I mean, typically you would expect manufacturing to be the bottleneck here and it's not, it's distribution and there's no reason for it. And you've got Trump saying, um, I don't know, that's up to the States. The States should figure that out. Really? Then what in the fuck is the point of the federal government? That's right? what he's been doing all along. And that's why, uh, his handling of the coronavirus got lambasted because as opposed to providing leadership and guidance, you know, it, it, it's really weird. Um, well, I shouldn't say it's really weird, but it's funny to me about how the, you know, that any political side 
will change their argument based on the facts that are in front of them at the time. Uh, because different states held their elections and the, 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 the way the elections are held are up to the states individually. So in that particular case where shit didn't go their way, you had other states bring cases to against them. the Supreme Court <laughs> yeah. saying that, hey, these guys aren't following the rules. Yeah. But when it comes to coronavirus and how this is done, it's, oh, no, you know, we're states' rights. So it's it, it depends on the argument that's in front of them, what side that they're picking at that particular point in time. And that is definitely not fucking exclusive to any one political party. No, and that's that's that again. It comes back to what we were talking about: facts versus feelings. My feeling is I lost. I'm angry about it. I want you know, no, 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 not fair, not fair. Wah, wah, wah. You know, whereas in fact state that there was no voter fraud. I actually saw an article where they did find some voter fraud. They found a guy. I think it was in Georgia who had voted for his like his dead mother and a Pennsylvania fucking, was it Pennsylvania. There yeah. were several, several of his dead relatives voted for Trump. Um, and it was like, well, isn't that, uh, amusing that of all the, uh, Oh, I know, giggled voter fraud. The only one that was proven was, you know, pro Trump. Look, I'm sure there was plenty of voter fraud on both sides. Right. Um, I'm sure that I there's th- not. But I think it, I think, I think there's there's an amount, right? I'm not going to say that there's zero voter fraud, but I do. I believe that there was even close to enough on either side to sway anything. Not even fucking remotely close. Like, well, no. the the general thing is is there's there's always going to be some, right? A very that, small percentage, but, but that number never gets. It, it, it's like. The you know uh, this last uh, election, I think we had somewhere around 150, 155 million people vote. Yeah. Now the the voter fraud that will be shaken out of all this, if they dig really hard into it, they'll get about a hundred examples, right? Plus or yeah, minus. That's what I was going to say. Right, about a hundred people, which simply does not sway a fucking election, folks. You know. No. Um, uh, it, the thing is, uh, you know, right now, all of us live in Colorado. I don't think I'm really giving anything away there. We've talked about that on several occasions. Doxed. Doxed. And, uh, Straight doxed. Colorado has by far, of any state that I've lived in so far, made it the easiest to vote. Uh, you know, like a month before the election, or any sort of election, you get your your ballot. Uh, if there's any ballot initiatives, you get a little booklet that explains what these initiatives are. Uh, and while you can't do in-person voting on the day of, just about everybody in Colorado, you know, they'll have a drop box at your local library or DMV office or city hall and then all you do is you just walk up to it you stick that envelope in um they've got ballot tracking to where you can track if your ballot's been received if your 
ballot had any issues with it and uh, if it was counted. So it, they've made it so ridiculously easy here. But in a lot of other states, especially states that are only in-person voting the day of, uh, with the exception of special absentee ballots, there's there are so many fucking hoops to jump through that your average schmuck who would actually like to vote twice, it's sort of a high bar to begin with. So you have lower voter participation, and because you have lower lower voter participation, you're also going to have lower voter fraud because there's so many fucking hoops to jump through. Well, I thought I was very happy with the way Colorado handled it. Um, I thought it was fair. I don't, uh, you know, some of the other states, the way they ran things seemed <clears throat> a little odd to me, but you know, whatever. Um, and it, it, it'd be curious to see if he did win, how, how they would argue how the, the ballot boxes were all safe. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, I just love how people, and like you said, we do it with a lot of things. It's not just voting. I try real hard. I've been, so for Christmas, I bought myself a um, subscription to Masterclass. I'm sure all of you have seen it on, you know, various being marketed to you. And there's this one from Neil deGrasse Tyson, and it's on basically like critical thinking, right? How to think. And I'm not a huge Tyson fan in general, but these, um, these videos have actually been pretty cool. And it, it validated for me that I have always been a critical thinker and not that I need someone else to validate that for me, but it is nice when you've got someone who is considered an expert on the field talking and you go, Oh, well, yeah, I do that. Okay. Well, cool. Um, to me, critical thinking is very important um, because it emotion and <laughs> Feelings and fact, right? Emotions and actual data are two very different things. And if we relied only on emotion, our monkey brains, oof. <laughs> I just can't imagine where we'd be as a society. You know, one of my favorite, and I mean that very ironically, one of my favorite bumper stickers that I saw this year, especially, it was a Twump, Twump, <laughs> a Twump 2020. Twump. Um, I'm going to vote for Trump. Trump. Um, it was a Trump. That's, that's about what happens when you right. to say Trump in 2020 at the same time. <laughs> um, it was all it said was "fuck your feelings," Trump 2020, right? And they had that big that thing out on the lake that didn't go so well, and that was their big thing: "fuck your feelings." What's well, funny now that after he's lost. That's all I'm hearing. That's all I'm seeing is fucking feelings, right? Um, one of my favorite memes is of the um, – it's the scene in the movie uh, with – oh, God, with Tom Hanks and the pirates come on the ship and the guy says, look at me. I'm the captain now. And it's it's the same guy, but he's got a Trump hat on and he says, look at me. I'm the snowflake now. And I fucking love that because it is so <laughs> – goddamn accurate these same fucking people that said fuck you snowflakes and fuck your feelings and all that are now doing exactly what they claimed to hate six months ago a year ago they're crying and whining about losing but cannot prove any of their accusations 
Um, I saw something the other day and I don't know, it was on Reddit. So 50, 50 that it's fucking real, but it was the picture of somebody's yard and the, and it was just littered with Trump 2020 signs. And one of them said that God has bowed down to Donald J. Trump stating that he is perfect. Trump 2020. Now, I don't know if this is real. I hope to fucking Christ that it's not because holy shit, but it's that cult of personality. And it also shows that there are some very weak minded, weak willed human beings out there (laughs) that will just swallow another human being's bullshit like a human centipede. Um, And I've just never been that guy. Uh, I mean, there are people that I agree with people I disagree with, but at the end of the day, that's like when celebrities or or professionals they get busted. Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Tiger Woods, you know. Everyone's oh my god, he cheated on his wife. Okay, he was a goddamn golf player, and he's a human being. Let's back the train up a little bit. You went full human centipede, yeah, <laughs> and we're just gonna like just run past that. We're just gonna pretend that never happened. We're just gonna we're just gonna pretend that didn't happen, Dan. Human yeah, centipede. It's, it's gonna be like a you know an and in a sentence. We just fucking rolled on past it. That's gonna be the next meme I do. It's gonna say Trump twenty twenty or or Biden cheated, and then it's gonna be just a, a picture of the scene from that movie of fucking human centipede. Like because oh. y'all are just digesting. For those Please, of you who don't know, God. Human Centipede, and I think they've made like five of them at this it point. Wasn't, it wasn't, everyone was like, you need to, this is going to be the fucking grossest movie, the scariest movie you've ever seen in your life. I watched it and it wasn't. It's a, it it's, was, no, yeah, it's dumb. It's yeah, a dumb it's movie dumb. is what it is. It's like yeah. Sharknado, but. Yeah. It's just, they went for gross factor. Most scary movies, and I use quotes for that most scary movies now are just gore it's just going after that that part of the brain that that doesn't like seeing that shit but you're still strangely fascinated so i i gave up social media about a week ago christmas um some things happened and made me realize that it's it's all about dopamine it's it's a fucking it's it's a waste right um if you're on social media i want you to really ask yourself why you're on it and what you truly get out of it, but not the point. Um, but not being on social media has left me more time to delve into some of the creepier subreddits that are on Reddit <laughs> and talk about like gore. And um, I, I found one that was all about um, uh, fighting. Uh, is Reddit social media? Go ahead. That's that's where you're going with that. Um, yes, yeah, it is. It is, but. I don't interact. I don't pump anything out. I'm consuming it. And it is social media. But when I say social media, I'm referring more to the ones that you deleted. Yeah. Well, Twitter. um, I mean, if you think about it, every news site is social media, isn't it? Someone posted an article, someone posted information and I'm reading it. Therefore, it's social. Yeah, you got to basically not look at anything. Sure. To to be to be completely anti-social media, you'd have to you you just take the social off of it and but just be anti. It does have that two way uh, like communication. It, it does. It is social, but most people I know do just lurk. It's right. It's just but, I I read because it actually has some really great fucking subreddits and a lot of really great information can be found. But again, what I like about Reddit is that. Other than some of the oddball subreddits, 
most of it is fact checked pretty well by the comments. Like you get in the comments and people will be like, Hey, wait, that's bullshit. Here's an article that says otherwise. And that's what I, that's kind of what I like about it. Now I found shit like one called, um, uh, anti, uh, Oh, natalism, natalism. Thank you. Antinatalism. That's all about people who don't think we should procreate and have babies. Now I agree with that. I agree that having children is honestly kind of selfish. I don't see the point in it. Um, I think you're bringing human beings into a world and wait, 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 wait. You found China's official subreddit. <laughs> hey, if there's one thing they got right, the whole you have to have a certificate, a certificate <laughs> to have a baby might be the fucking best one. I like um, it. But like a lot of things like that, they go way too far. Like they start shaming people for having children, and there, there's a problem. That's there's this this thing with gatekeeping, and and before I had even ever heard of the term gatekeeping, I didn't like it. That's a millennial term. Um. It, <sighs> If you don't want to have kids, don't have kids. If you don't want to own guns, don't own guns. If you don't want to be a guy who sucks cock, don't be gay. I don't care. But don't try to tell other people how to live their lives if they're not hurting you. Um, And yeah, I know you could sit and fucking, all of those groups could sit and argue how that hurts them. It takes away the, the, what is it, the, 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 Fabric of America. Uh, fuck off with that. The fabric of America is made up of a lot of different fucking uh, materials. That's why it's been able to succeed kind of outside the formula of, of other of other countries, right? That's what I always kind of found funny about the whole gay marriage argument, because it's like letting letting gay people get married didn't make anyone else less married. It had nothing to do with you. Oh, but it it takes away the sanctity of marriage. You want to talk about sanctity of marriage? Let's go after the motherfuckers who sell engagement rings for two and three thousand dollars. Let's go over the assholes that convince women that they have to have these dresses and these expensive. Uh, There's no sanctity to it. Everyone does it for the tax break. Dude, <laughs> that's brother. There's there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I mean. You live with somebody the thing for is, a while and it's made, taxes and insurance and things like that, right? Yeah. I mean, they made marriage uh, more than a religious thing. So you can't really argue that hey, it ain't Christian to do that because you, you get married for other reasons than Christianity. Absolutely, people do. And you can argue some are, some are good, some are bad. I hey, Look, I've been divorced twice, so obviously... I'm not somebody to sit and discuss, you know, why someone should or should not get married. But being gay is not a reason to keep somebody from being married, right? Um, the divorce rate in this country is still like 50%. Um, and I know a lot of long-term gay couples. Well, not a lot. I know a couple. Um but I, I can say that I know more long-term gay couples than I do long-term heterosexual couples um, in the grand scheme of things. Just about everybody I know has been divorced at least once. Um, you know, uh, it's again, it's about taxes. It's about insurance. I do believe that if two men have been together and they get married, I do think that if one has better insurance, they should be able to share it just like just like a man and a woman. Um Marriage was marriage wasn't even about even religion. It was about if you go back 
millennia, it was about power and control and, and about, um, you uh, know, this about merging kingdoms, right? Than power and control. It was this man was going to have this woman. They were going to have their kids get married because then that would make these two, uh, you know, kingdoms, one big kingdom. It was politics. You know, it was about a, a fucking couple of goats and some <laughs> you know gold. So get the fuck out of here with this, the, the sanctity of, of marriage. Cause blah. <laughs> but again, I am, I am not the guy to sit and tell anybody about <laughs> good marriages because every um, I made a comment. So one of the things that that kind of drove me off of social media was that I noticed that it, it really is about dopamine and about the likes and trying to get. I like to talk. I like to conversate. I like to again critical think. That's why we do this podcast, right? Is we like to to bring things up, and if people want to discuss it or argue with us or whatever, that's that's great. Um, but it seemed like whenever I tried to do that on on social media, I got crickets. Um, and and I was trying to to discuss love languages, which uh, love languages. A guy by the name of Gary Chapman. Um, several degrees in like religious studies um, and some uh, anthropology degrees and things like that. He came up with the five love languages. And basically it's the, the five ways that we interact with loved ones and people we care about and what's more valuable to us, you know? And for me, I scored really high on basically like time and attention. Um, you can buy me gifts and that's cool, but it's like, eh, whatever, you know? Um, uh, Affirmative words, meaning, you know, saying things like, I love you, you're beautiful, you're, you're a great person. You know, that's kind of cool too. For me, it's time and energy. And, and Doug will tell you that I value that way more than a lot of other things. For you to say, hey man, I swung by and picked up this thing for you. I know you've been wanting one or you, you've been meaning to do this and I did that for you. You just sacrifice some of your time and energy for me. And time and energy is something you don't ever get back right? I mean, gifts are cool, but if you've got a lot of money and you're buying people gifts, I don't mean to sound like an ungrateful dick, but okay, cool. It also depends on the gift. Like I've bought Doug stupid, stupid ass little things because it just made me laugh. And I thought, Doug, um, I have a shirt actually that Doug bought me that, um, <laughs> that I, I will never God. wear, um, but I will keep I forever it. and I am going to wear at his funeral. And, uh, it's, it wasn't about the buying the overpriced shirt at, at a, you know, vendor in Florida. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about the money he spent. It was about the gag. It was about the joke. It was about the, the, the personality and the silliness of it. Right. And that, um, I'll, I'll take a picture of it and, and, uh, I'll, I'll post it. I, I do still, I'm still running the, the bullshit podcast, uh, Facebook, um, page i'll post it on there that's uh, we'll get uh maybe we'll get some clicks for that but um it was about it was about the sentimentality of it right which is important to me um but so i'm I'm trying to discuss that and nobody either they're making jokes about it or just don't you know just crickets but then i could put up some dumb meme or i could put up a picture of my cat and it's just like oh love you likes 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 whatever and i'm like what the Fuck. Well, it's for me, 
being the age that I'm that I am. I'm 46. Dan, you're what? 44? 45. 45? 45. Yeah, I'll be 46 in September. Fuck off. 26. All right. <laughs> so I, I, for, for me, I'm going to bring what this social media thing is for me home. Um, high school was rough. Um, it's, it's like I, I wasn't necessarily the outcast, but... Uh, you know, I had a core group of friends in the whole nine, and you've always got that high school rumor mill. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in everybody else's business, and I imagine that's somewhat amplified today. And at my age, after I got out of high school, there was this relief yeah. of being able to leave all the high school bullshit behind. And for me, when I got back into social media, it, at first, it was a place for me just to share my funny side. Yep. Here, Here's some stuff. You can giggle at this, and let's all go and have a nice day. And the further I went down that rabbit hole, I realized I was doing things to feed the social, social media beast. Dance I monkey. Needed approval from the social media beast. I needed those likes. I needed whatever. And then when I left that behind, you know, I'm several years into no social media now. It's like the, the one that I used was Facebook and the one that I had for just newsworthy shit was Twitter. I hardly ever tweet on Twitter, but you know, it's like, Occasionally, you want to see what crazy shit somebody said. So for me, that's not necessarily that engaging social media. That's something I can go out and check on, much like Dan's doing with Reddit. But after I got off that social media train, my fucking self-esteem went up. It's like I, I, I wasn't worried about what everybody else was thinking. I wasn't worried about, you know, what somebody thought of the fucking sandwich that I ate at lunch (laughs) or, you know, the motorcycle ride that I took or the video game that I played or the walk that I took with my dog or we went to a park or whatever. I, there, there was not that lens of what is everyone else going to think about this? And it was really freeing. And for anyone that's on social media that's that's engaged that you're that you're having problems with your own happiness and yes, you sir. feel like so much stuff is just for show yes, i would encourage you uh because the the number one place to get rid of it is on your phone because you're carrying yes, that sir. fucker with you <laughs> all day long walk uh, away yeah, I, w- I would just encourage you, delete it off of your fucking phone and give yourself a 30-day social media break and see mm-hmm. how you feel mm-hmm. at the end of that. And if the answer is you feel better about yourself, just leave that shit gone. I know that that's where I started. Once I realized that, kind of like Doug, that I was, you know, it was for the likes more than anything because I, I wasn't able to get any real conversation started on anything when I tried. Again, I like conversation and I, I want to, I, I enjoyed learning how other people think, but Facebook and Instagram wasn't doing that. It was, um, 
I, I started with my phone. I deleted off my phone and I told Adam, I was like, God damn it. And I was like, I, I keep picking up my phone and then realizing that I have nothing else to do with it. It's, it's not a cell phone. It's a fucking social media device. Um, I think that's why they've become so popular in, in the, um, you know, we're like, Oh, I need the eight gajillion fucking megapixel camera. Um, it's so that we can share it on a site that compresses it down to, you know, bits. Um, and I'm like, Doug, I found myself over the last week, I found myself instinctively like, like a habit, like chewing your nails or smoking, reaching for my phone to take a picture of something to share it on social media and going, why? No one fucking cares, dude. All, it, all they care is about their own likes and their own, nobody, very few people, because I did, I followed people and, and interacted because I cared about them. And I'm learning that these same people didn't give a fuck about me, right? It's been a week and I haven't heard from anybody. And I, I was a, 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 a multi post a day poster. I was, you know, eight, nine posts a day. I go silent and not a single fucking person has reached out to say, Hey, are you dead? Um, because most people wouldn't know. Nobody gives a fuck what anyone else is doing you all the time you were just dancing nope. for the organ grinder dude yeah and, you know they saw, and there's saw other the people on their feed and that's what they appreciated yep. yeah and that's that's what they want they like you said the the dance monkey dance um i i'm very much with doug i think um and i know adam is in the same boat he he gave up social media uh, except for like some of your, I know your music, you still kind of push that on Instagram. Yeah, I got and my Instagram and Twitter, my music page, but I don't, it's just post and then go away. Like I don't really scroll through a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Because I mean, again, if you're going to have any kind of online, I mean, like we do the the podcast. So of course I do keep my Facebook open only because I manage a page and let's face it. Nowadays, if you have a business or a, a product or content of any type, you gotta have a social media presence. You simply just have to. Um, and so I keep it for that, but I have, as the week has gone by much to Doug's point, I feel a little better and I can't explain why. Like, I just don't feel the need to share everything to get those likes. And it goes back to dopamine. I was telling Adam, uh, you know, divorcing, separating and divorcing right before a pandemic has been a bit of a pain in the ass for dating, as you can imagine. And I like to date. Dating is fun for me. I, I really enjoy dating. And after my first divorce, I moved to Columbus, Ohio, out of the Northeast, uh, Northeast Ohio and farm town, moved down to Columbus and we lived like a block away from, from the campus, OSU campus. Dude, it was a fucking riot. I loved it. Literally, there actually was a, uh, a riot one year, um, but uh, had a lot of fun. But online dating was uh, just starting to gear up, right? And it was a lot, uh, Yahoo Personals was a big one for me. I went out on a ton of dates. Had a lot of fun. Got catfished before catfishing was a fucking thing. Uh, met this cute little blonde and we really hit it off. And then I go to pick her up for a date. And she's like, well, actually, I've been setting you up with my sister. And her sister was cute too. But I was like, I just stared. And Doug and Adam know me. I can be a bit of a, a, a brash asshole from times. I stared and I went, <coughs> nah. And I got in my car and I drove off. Because it was like, yeah, we're not. this is not how we're going to fucking But did you things. guys post about each other on your GeoCities. On our GeoCities. <laughs> I think MySpace might have been around then. I think it was, yeah. Um, GeoCities, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, But the thing about it was, and, and to get to, back to my point about dopamine, is that 
the point was, is that when you signed up for a site, you were just on the site, right? I met my second ex-wife um, on match.com, right? And, but when you, when you signed up, you just, you were on the site and you met people and that was that. It was a lot like, uh, and I got to explain to Adam what video dating was. He didn't know what this was. And it was <laughs> that was great for me, right? So video dating, and there are some great YouTube videos of some, some really, they, they went in and handpicked just the best fucking ones, right? <laughs> but video dating was you went to a, a studio, this place, and I went when I was in my late teens, early 20s. And it was way, it was prohibitively expensive for me at that age. Uh, but I have to admit, they were actually very nice to me, even though they were like, <laughs> this guy. Um, they were actually very nice to me. But you would, uh, you would sit in a little studio on a chair and you would tell about yourself and they would ask you questions and you'd answer and like what kind of woman you were looking for. And then like once a week or a month or whatever, you would go pick up a videotape and you would watch it and it would just be like, you know, Doug, and it would have pick a number. Videotape. Yeah. And he would talk and then, you know, Adam and everybody, and you would go through like eight or nine people that they had chosen for you and uh, watch them. And if you had interest, you'd write it down and give it to them. And they, you know, if they, basically it was, it was, you know, social dating, but done uh, analog, right? Lo-fi. Lo-fi. Yeah. Lo-fi dating. So when I first signed up for dating apps back in the day, um, it was very similar to that. It just opened up and you met people. So fast forward 15 years and I thought, well, I met my second wife on match. We were together 15 years. I have no real regrets. I mean, I don't, I don't hate her and I don't hate the time we spent together. Um, fuck it. I give that a shot. I was a big proponent of online dating I, at the time. I think the algorithms and, and the ability to match based on things that are important. I thought it was neat. Well, I get back on it now and it's different. It has changed. First of all, it's completely tiered, right? Um, you you get on and you've got free, but free is just sort of like you know getting edged by a prostitute, right? She's not <laughs> going to make you come. She's just going to tease you, and you get to see people. But if you match, you don't know it. If they like you, you'd they say, "Hey, somebody liked you," and you tap on it, and it's just a, a blurred out. Thank you for image. subscribing to our blue ball plan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. I like that. The blue ball plan, the standard blue ball plan. <laughs> so then each, each tier, you get a little bit more all the way to where you can like, if somebody swipes on you, you know it. Um, you don't have to, cause the whole point of like tender was if you swipe on them and they swipe on you, you're matched. Um, well now if you pay enough, you can see if they swiped on you. And if you want to swipe on them, you don't have to leave anything to chance. Uh, there was a guy on YouTube. I watched him and a couple other guys, um, I won't say they proved, but they showed some very um, compelling evidence that all of these dating sites change the algorithm. Like when you first sign up, they boost you and put you in front of a lot of faces. Anytime you change something, if you've been gone for a while, they'll put you in front of more faces. Um, of course, none of the dating apps were willing to admit that they did that. Um, on top of that, you can boost your profile for $5.99, right? You can, um, what are the other ones? It, it's all about draining you dry money-wise, right? Two bucks here, three bucks there, 60 bucks for the membership, whatever. And we're going to get you in front of more people, in front of more people. How about you just open up the fucking algorithm, let me sign up, and if somebody likes me, and if you think about that, right, you talking about social media and self-esteem, 
you set your, your thing out to 50 miles, you set your profile up, you put some good pictures up there, whatever. And over a couple of months time, not one single fucking person swipes on you or likes you. And you're like, wow, there's nobody within a 50 mile fucking radius that thinks I'm attractive in any way, like, shape or form. If you give us $5, people around you will think you're attractive. Will think you're attractive. Exactly. I boost and now all of a sudden I get a couple of hits and I'm like, oh fuck, dude, that is the so epitome dumb. of dopamine, you know, paying for dopamine hits. It's fucked up. So I have sworn off the, the fucking dating apps. I won't, I won't do them anymore because I, I, I feel like they have changed their model to the point that it's not healthy anymore. Um, it's, it's about, uh, it's about, it's about the dopamine hits, man. Um, so social media, um, (laughs) social media, sorry, we have a, we have a chat that we we talk (laughs) in and these guys like to, uh, we like to harass each other when, when somebody's on a kick. Um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, it's changed so much and it's a shame because I think you're going after what is probably a, uh, an emotionally vulnerable group of people, uh, especially right now when, like I said, I can't even date, I can't go to a, a bar or a restaurant, and meet people. I can't take the bike out. You know, I used to like take the bike out, hit the, hit the mountains and then hit some little bar on the way home, have a beer and a sandwich. And I met a lot of really neat people back when I was married. That didn't do me any good. Um, so yeah, jumping into a fucking pandemic recently divorced is it's got its it's got a whole kind of strange, unique vibe to it. Well, I would also say that uh, businesses separating horny people from their money has been a business model <laughs> as long as there's been business and horny people. Touche, touche. I cannot argue with that. A uh, a hard dick and his money are easily separated. January 1st, 2021. Let's see. Let's just see where we go. Well, I say, guys, let's end it here. That was kind of my point. No, 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 no. Hang on. Hang on. Come on, Adam. Are we going to do awkward silence? (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, See you again on the next episode. Thanks for uh, (laughs) listening. Be sure to like and subscribe and ding the bell for notifications. Be sure to smash that like button. Smash that motherfucking like button. Turn it up and rip the fucking knob off. (laughs) I hate, I hate us. I really do. I hate us.